Hey, welcome back to STS. This is a show about the world of parkour. The two of us have both been practicing and coaching parkour for a long time. We've learned a lot of lessons through doing that, and we hope we bring you a unique perspective. In this week's episode, we talked about Renee's experience in uh, Lease and Every doing some parkour tourism. We talked about my thoughts around the HAL 5 SPL European qualifier. We also talked about the Gizmo style battles that's coming up in a few months. And we finished up by talking about SPL's partnership with USPK and the Tempest West Coast qualifiers. Real quick before we get into today's talk, just a reminder that we don't put any ads on these episodes anymore. So if you want to help us out by getting the word out there, please share this episode with a friend. And without further ado, let's get into today's talk. And we're back together once again. Oh, that was the most awkward. <laughs> you went with the outside hand. Yeah, I was like, well, I don't know. Well, because you're left-handed. You went left, yeah. I went right. I'm going to have to like edit in a replay of that. <laughs> um, so Renee got back into town on Friday? Friday night, yeah. Friday night. Um, it's Monday for context. Today is Monday. Yeah. And so we're, uh, this is our first STS together again in a few weeks now. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so you got stuck in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of ruined the end of my trip. That sucks. Well, you, what, you were supposed to go to back to England? Yeah. I had this whole thing planned. where That, that was actually a big reason for extending my trip. I actually, in hindsight, too, I, I wish I would have booked a couple more days in Leuven because uh, I, I really enjoyed my last day yeah. in Leuven, and then I wanted another one, but I had already booked train tickets, so I, I loved Leuven, by the way. Yeah. It's such a cool little town. Yeah, yeah it was really it is nice. Really great. We talked a little bit about that, I think. On did we did we touch on that about at all? How much I loved it. Well, just just about the town in general. I think when we were doing the cast with Dylan, um, maybe we did, but I was like super jet lagged, so my <laughs> brain wasn't working very well. Yeah. So anyway, I, I was intending to go to Brighton because uh, I know many parkour people live in Brighton now. Some of them I talk to somewhat frequently. And the main one went to Dubai <laughs> that week. But I was like, hey, I booked a, t- I, uh, booked a short visit with my uh, friend Thomas in Paris. And I was like, I'm going to come back. And then that didn't happen because they had a strike. Train strike. Yeah. Uh, and and f- funny enough how this works, well, not funny in my situation, <laughs> but I had, I had a ticket back on the Tuesday and that got canceled. And then when I went to rebook, Wednesday was full, but apparently they don't strike on Wednesday, but it was already fully booked. And so I booked Thursday, and then I got an email on Wednesday saying that that was also canceled. So it was like a total of three. Wait, why don't they strike on Wednesday? I don't know, French. I'm tired. <laughs> we'll, strike, we'll strike tomorrow. <laughs> Take a, strike one day, day off, strike the next day. Okay, all right, I get yeah. it. So I had some extra days in... Um, in in France, okay. Well, um, you, I, I wasn't sure if you did this, but you confirmed mm. off camera earlier. Mm. You went to Lise and Every. I did yeah. How was the motherland? <laughs> um, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did you go to the school? 
Okay, so, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, t I'll try to quickly tell the story, because I, I did uh, vlog it. Um, didn't do, like, a crazy amount of parkour, because um, I was trying not to. I, I actually, as soon as I got to my first session in the UK, my, like, jumper's knees started to go away. Ooh. Um, so, so I was, like, just doing a little bit, you know, um, just not to push it too much. Uh, so I did manage to get some parkour on camera. But uh, what happened is, is I got to uh, met Thomas in, in Paris, the train station, and he was like, we're going to lease today. Oh, wow. I, like right away. And I'm so happy that he uh, kind of forced me into that. But it was like later in the day. So we didn't have a lot of time for that visit, a couple hours. And he assumed that I wanted to go to the Dom du Lac right away. So that's the first place we went to. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's sketchier than it looks. <laughs> um, yeah. the um the texture of it is weird okay. so it's it's like play if you know how like sometimes in playgrounds they make boulder structures yeah it's exactly like that oh. so so it's like i'm imagining there's rebar running through it and then some sort of concrete mixture and then there's like a facing that's artificial feeling and it took me a while to just adjust to like trusting that because we just I, I come off of like not doing much parkour for a couple weeks and then we're just trying to hit I'm trying to hit some of the classic little like passes that that um, people do without like the massive drops which mm -hmm. is mostly what it is um, but but I did some of the classic moves and and then we were looking at climbing up and there was just no way um, it's it's like I think it's super easy to climb up mm -hmm. like physically but you have to trust the textures of, like it's all it's not exactly like a ladder like there's slopers there's chunks that have fallen off um it's Ooh, that's terrifying it, yeah it gets it it's definitely worse than um i think it probably wasn't in, in previous cuz you think about like some of the initial footage that you've that we've all seen and it's like 20 years old yeah so we don't go to the top but i do think by the time i was finished with that session i started to get more familiar with how it felt and I just thought, like, oh, it makes sense that these guys were able to do these things on this because you just start to trust it more and you start, start to... It's like a spot, you know, you go you oh, visit yeah. a spot a bunch of times. But um, alas, yeah, I didn't... I pretty much wrote it off, like, as soon as we got there. I'm like, I'm not climbing There's the top. There's no way. <laughs> um, and then we went into, into the town. Um, I think the school was fenced off, but we took a look at it. Um, the only part of the town I really trained on was uh, quad walls, is what it was written on um, the uh, City Legends spot map that I had. Mm. Um, I got yelled at by some, some locals. Um, hey, authentic experience right there. A guy came out and mentioned David Bell to us, and I don't know if, well, I guess it's appropriate for STS, but he basically said he was smoking with David Bell yesterday. Oh, wow. Um, and <laughs> so I was, is he still living, Lise? This is what this guy said. Wow. He, I was training at Quad Walls. There was um, a really adorable little boy that was like, oh, parkour, oh, yamakasi. <laughs> so I came by and um, was like, hey. <laughs> and then uh, this guy walked by. And he's like, oh, you guys are doing parkour. He's like, I was just smoking with, with David yesterday. He still lives here. That's crazy. Um, so... Yeah, like chances are, I guess, if you go to lease that you could potentially run into him, which would be, I'm sure, amazing for some. <laughs> It'd be amazing for me. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, it would yeah. be freaking amazing if I had ran into him, you know. Uh, that would have been cool. 
but he, he changed our lives. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, just it would just be like a, a you know thank you for the inspiration, you absolute tank. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So um, I didn't go to all the lease spots, um, but then that was the end of that trip. And then several days later, because of the extension, I thought that we were going to go back, and then it didn't line up. And then there was just one day where Thomas was like, "You should go to." You should go to every, and so I did. It was really expensive because I Ubered there and back. Oh. And then when I got there, it was soaking wet. It, it, was, it was a rainy yeah, day, yeah, and yeah. I was feeling like my best that day, too. Dang. So basically, I have footage of me just, like, talking about the spots. Like, I, I went up to the... I went up to Manpower. Um, the thing they don't talk about with Manpower is getting onto the top of it is really sketchy. Yeah. You know what I'm talking... There's, like, a spiked fence that yeah, yeah. is um, over the... It was in the Modus Origins video. They okay. kind of document that. Okay. And, like, uh, Mark's... Marks does the does the gap, mm-hmm. but he's like, yeah. Part of the reason I did the gap because I didn't want to climb back down. Yeah, and so I did it when I was wet, yeah. and I had all this stuff on me, and I was like, I got up to it, and I saw like I with my backpack on, I climbed onto the spiked fence and looked up and looked down, and then I climbed back down, and for about three minutes there, I was like, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. I and then I thought about it for a moment, and I said, you know, it's probably like lesser. People than me have gone up here. <laughs> yeah. It's probably not that bad. And I spent a lot of money to get here today because <laughs> of the Uber. And, and the video just you can't end. The video just can't end with me like, like, hey, I'm up here and I'm not gonna go up. You got that sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. Like you spent all this money here in yeah. France. I can't just let this go to waste. Yeah. But it's good. That's it. There's there's a there's a jump you can do, a really tiny jump you can do over if it's dry, but because it's not dry, I couldn't do it. And yeah, sure enough, like once you get there's an overhang, you can pull yourself up. Um, dangling back down really sucked because you're dangling down <laughs> and to this spiked fence. And then there's a massive drop, and you're just, yeah. But it's it's it really wasn't that difficult um, to do. It's just really scary. Yeah, it's just. But that's like so much of what parkour is, right? It's like you you're like scared, you're terrified Mm -hmm. of doing something, and then when you do it, you're like, "Ah, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. (laughs) This was also like part of the theme of this trip, and I'm I'm really motivated coming back from it too. Was. spending some time in Brighton with a couple of locals. So, so we got like so many, t- we got scruffy boys, we got fifth unit, we got pariah clan, you got store. That's all in Brighton. Um, some of them are, are outside of Brighton too, but uh, members of each team. And so training with some of the f- first few that I mentioned there and just seeing how kind of like their, their sessions go where um, the second day I was out training with some guys from fifth unit and with uh, Jay Batrick and they're just like, oh, we're going to go check out this roof gap around the corner. And, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of like part of their sessions, I think, is, is um, probably not every session hitting a roof gap, but there's clearly a focus on that mental push. And I think just across the board from the guys that I ran into, they all are versed in that type of movement where it's like, yeah, we're going to go hit, hit roof gaps. Whereas I was with Holden... And he acknowledged to me that like one of the ones he was they were looking at, he wanted to do it, and then he's like, "Oh no, I'm too too scared right now." Mm-hmm. And mind you, he hasn't been training for for like a couple months um, because of because um, of jumper's knee. But just kind of acknowledging like, okay, they're on a different level when it comes to this, and it's kind of normal. And so that just be, kind of became like a theme of that trip, but also 
you know, I talked about, I think, with just training in general lately with, with lifting and, like, committing to lifts and committing to things where I've just had this thing where it's like, no, I have to commit to stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a jump, there was a jump on the Dom de Lock to the slanty thing that, was, that I did, like, standing, and for a moment wasn't going to do it, and then was like, no, I have to commit to this. And then that was the same thing with, like... Uh, Is that the one that's, like, it's like a, a square hole? Yeah. So, like, oh, you're jumping over the square hole? No, you jump from, like, it's the thing that you jump from is attached to the square hole. Oh, this is so hard to explain in, on a talk, but... Okay, anyways, okay. There's, like, a tic-tac you can do over to it, and I think the tic-tac is, like, easier, but you have to trust the oh, surface to tic-tac oh, to it. Oh, okay, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I just did it as a standing jump, because it was, like... Oh, I know exactly. Yeah. Like, the one David Bell does the little, like, yep. 270 yeah, or yeah, 360 yeah. tack or whatever. Exactly. I love that. Like, <laughs> I want to do that one. Yeah. Well, well, I definitely want to go back, so we got it. Right. Um, but yeah, that was the th that was when I uh, the kind of one of the final challenges I guess for myself was getting up to the manpower by myself in the rain with all this gear and like, no, I have to go up here. I have to go up to this. This I'm not going to do the jump, obviously, um, but I have to go up here and and climb on this sketchy thing to take a look. And that was just kind of the thing of like, okay, I'm committing to things. I'm not. I'm not letting myself... I think I've done that a lot with parkour, where I'll, I'll have a challenge that I know I can do or something that I know I can do and just easily give myself the way out because I'm not that hard on myself. <laughs> so, so I'm just like, oh, it's okay. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But i um, just been trying to take a move of, of being harder on myself so that I can actually commit to things moving forward. So, so yeah, that was the theme. That was part of it. And, um, yeah, I played parkour tourist. Got all the... <laughs> got all that done. Um, but anyways, before before all that, um, we we had our event in in Belgium, and yeah. I I had an opportunity to tell everyone how I felt about it last week. But um, you didn't get your opportunity to uh, really give your breakdown yet. So oh wow, I am uh, curious to say a couple of weeks removed now. Uh, what what kind of sticks out to you? Um blown away by how many people showed up to it. That's kind of like the the number one thing is like over 15 countries represented, including people coming as far as Brazil. Yeah. Which is yeah, crazy. It was... <laughs> it's a European qualifier and people yeah. come from Brazil and then You would think the American qualifiers would be closer for them. <laughs> well, we didn't announce it until after, mm -hmm. so I understand why they might have, but also I'm sure it was like just a good experience for them to travel. Um, wow, yeah. Over 15 countries represented. Obviously, it's Europe, so it's like everything is way closer together. But again, like Brazil, Israel, like people from Poland, pretty much almost the entirety of Western Europe came, which is super cool. Um, yeah, I'm like humbled by the response. It's like an insane amount of people. And I mean, we had a high level. There was really like talented athletes who came through in both the men's and women's divisions um yeah i'm just like that's the main takeaway i had um i think something that you said was that the americans are better at speed i did say that yeah i disagree Ooh, okay. i'm uh i'm not convinced yet we'll see at the at spl2 we'll have to see yeah. So I think when I when I say that I don't necessarily mean the best versus the best, but I think overall 
they're more, and I think it just comes down to training focus. Because what we, what we did see were a lot of fairly, I'll say, big-name athletes compete in speed and not do particularly well. Okay, I will agree with this addendum, which is that, which is that there's, and I think you alluded to this in the last episode with Holden, was that there's speed course competition happening in North America, mm -hmm. and I think it's largely not happening in Europe. Oh, yeah. And so... Um, and out, outside of fit. yeah, I mean there are some. There are there are um, there's like speed style, and also the uh, I think own the spot does like an outdoor one. Yeah, yep. But it's not as it doesn't look like a very difficult. And there course was uh, what's the one? What's uh, what was it? I thought it was in the Netherlands as well with commit free run, but I might be mistaken. Um. It was another, like, tandem run one. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Not Hop the Block, because that's... Oh, Hop oh, the Block. Oh, okay. Where was Hop the Block? I thought, don't, I think... Don't, don't ask me okay. European geography. You know. Hop the Block was also another <laughs> uh, speed course competition. But I think, in general, like, it's, it's actually pretty rare to have a speed course competition. Um, the exception is, obviously, Project Underground has been running in the UK for... Um, I guess this is the 10th one that they're coming up on. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. Like, it's just not that common for people to practice parkour speed courses. And the on-the-spot one doesn't come off to me as being, like, a particularly... Um, it's, it's an outdoor speed course competition, but it's almost like, oh, I'm going to do this one for fun. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. like the way that American or, like, North American speed course competition has developed over the last decade, where yeah. it's... Decade plus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So where it's, you know, you're going to a competition specific... It's not a jam. It's yeah. a competition. Yeah. Uh, also classes, to too. Like, there's more... There's more... There's more gyms that... I'm not going to say, like, more gyms in general, but more gyms that probably have a speed course class. Yeah taking place and then you can name like like parkour visions not so much now maybe but back in the day had a lot of speed course classes that brought up guys like justin sweeney apex movement all of their gyms do speed course classes and so you get like the rob shills the yeah. michael sligers the seth wings I yeah keep going but... <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah no I, I i agree okay so i'll agree with that general sentiment but yes the best versus the best i'm like um, I was very impressed with the top finishers at HAL 5. Just talking about Tangi and Javier? Yeah, and even Ramon. Who was, oh, was Ramon third? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. I still don't know. Ramon? Ramon. Ramon? Ramon. Ramon. Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's spelled R-E-M-O-N. Lamberton, yeah. And so I thought it was like Ray instead Ramon. of like Ra. Ramon, and then, but Ramon. I think it is more of like a, Ramon. I think it's just a quick, quick uh, vowel placement, Ramon. or like, or like non-vowel placement, like you skip the vowel. Yeah, it's kind of how he said it back to me, but okay, well, anyways. whatever. Um, yeah, he's dope, and apparently only like eighteen years old. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, those, 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 the top three finishers in speed were excellent. So mm -hmm. I'm curious to see how they do at SPL2 mm -hmm. against some of the top American talent. Well, also on, on the women's side, too, we have uh, Miranda Tibbling, who made it through. Um, <sighs> and, yeah, like she's kind of maybe the only one who I think would be like a top competitor in women's. Yeah, it's a shame that uh, Lola got hurt during skill mm -hmm. because she was doing very well. In She's looking good. She's also really short. Yeah, and then and Miranda's really tall. Yeah. So it's like this yeah. really... I, I, I wanted to see the podium, you know? Like, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe another Yeah, I think what Lola. Lola has going for her is like really sound parkour technique and then also really good send. Like she did that gap jump in the first course. That was really cool. That, that was super cool. That no the other else women were, were touching. So it's definitely things I think she could capitalize on if she gets. I also watched the footage and I was, uh, I was looking through uh, the footage and like day one she's like going for a swing challenge and like rotating her ankle. Oh. Like yeah, my foot, but she's like rotating her ankle like this. Um, so it's like that was bugging her from the start of the comp. Yeah, and then just like that one. Skill challenge just, yeah, made it worse. Bummer. Um, yeah, I mean, the like in terms of speed, those mm -hmm. two were really stand out for me and, and for women. Mm -hmm. The men, obviously, the top three were were incredible. And I think you you are right. There's like, there's a lower level outside of that tier mm -hmm. of the top three. Um, Regarding, you know, when it comes to the men, uh, because there's just probably not as much speed course practice yeah. happening in Europe. Um, what, what, what did I want to talk about? Skill? <laughs> Should we talk about skill now? Because I haven't sure. talked about skill. Uh, Oliver Thorpe. Yeah. So I was actually surprised. Um, not not surprised that he was. That he's good because obviously mm -hmm. he's good, but um, but I mean, he he pulled it through with the win. I thought yeah, I thought Dan of, was gonna win out of the list because we had talked about this, and of course we had like uh, like Yako not actually make it on time to yeah. compete, but out of the list of people, like he was one of the big names coming out to the comp, but he wasn't on my radar as this guy is going to win. Yeah. I thought maybe he would like, and I'm so happy he did. <laughs> I'm, I'm super happy he did too. Yeah, it it makes me it makes me really happy because he's a he's a 30 plus athlete, mm -hmm. um, which is uh, yeah representing you know, mm -hmm. um, but also he's just like such a tank and he also has a lot of skills in my skill set, mm. which is like, it's like yeah like brotherhood you know <laughs> there's a mutual respect. Well, he's not you know? he's not known as like a uh, a big jumper. Right. He can like he's done huge kongs, huge like running prees and stuff like back in the yeah. back in the day. But it doesn't, as you mentioned, and it's particularly because the last two years he's he's been injured. Yeah. Um, but as you mentioned, like he he kind of dominates in in climbing. Yeah, yeah, very much domination. <laughs> um, so I yeah I'm very happy he won, but I I thought he might be like contending for third place or or mm. you know something like that, but. Super cool that he did. Um, we got Andy Vola coming back, yeah. um, tied for third with Kevin Franzen, who 
has apparently been not just a style beast, but is a um, is like really good at skill competition. Well, that's why he's so good at style. I think though too is we've talked about this before. Like he he has a a, a really I was gonna say strong, but like just just as elite parkour base to go along with the the tricks he can do. Yeah, uh, and you actually don't see it so much in his style lines, but it does make sense though. Yeah, I. I'm I'm really excited to see him in both skill and style. We'll talk about style in a little bit, but mm-hmm. but um, I do want to mention Andy Bola more because he actually was was at a disadvantage after day one, and he came through and he was actually one of the one of the early um, athletes in the second round of skill, and he sma- he like flashed several challenges, which was like really cool to see. He got a chance to like, do, like uh, attempt the final challenge, mm-hmm. but then he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, he he was contending to win uh, NAPC in twenty eighteen. Yeah, that was a close he, one. It was his to lose. Like he was in first place coming out of mm. round uh, the semifinals round and mm-hmm. going into the finals, and uh, and Tim Champion got a challenge that Andy was unable to, to get. Um, and it, that sealed the deal, sealed his fate as come in second place. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see Andy back because he also is coming back from injury um, a few years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, he had, like, a bad ankle injury that, uh, I mean, he's, he's, I think he's been mostly better. Man, people are dropping, like, flies, by the way, right now. Yep. Uh, Matt Jang. Bart, Bart, yeah, yeah. I just saw Bart today, like, yeah. Um, but Bart, Bart's wasn't a parkour injury. Yeah, but, like, I, I, know, I know what you're getting at, but, like, I still consider it, like, yeah, part, sure. you know, because he's, he's a parkour athlete, and it's basically, like, your, your body is being, um, I, I was gonna say damaged, but I guess I will say damaged for lack of a better term right now by by parkour. But when I say damaged, though, like to, that people could take that the wrong way. I, I mean, if you if you work on your fitness, you're damaging yourself. Like the, the act of like the act of training fitness is is accumulating damage and then recovering from damage and then adapting over time. And I think the thing with parkour is, and just other activities in general too is like if you don't give yourself enough time to adapt, that's what can lead to injury. Um, also age on top of it. Yeah, but we don't know what exactly happened. So like, no. it's... But I, I just mean it's like, it's, I think it's going to become a lot more common with, um, and I don't mean this to scare anyone or anything like that, but I think with just like You're guys, me, right? guys that have been in the game longer and guys that are like pushing for performance, particularly like trying to get better, trying to get better, it is just something that... Um, it's it's kind of part of the game, and I don't think it should be looked at like super negatively. Uh, it's definitely not unique to parkour. It's anytime you're trying to do, you're trying to get as much out of yourself as you can with a sport, um, and sometimes they just happen, and it's usually not on something major. So Bart, you know, injuring his knee playing football, soccer, <laughs> is that, and then Matt Jang um, during a speed course doing probably I don't think probably just taking a drop or something, you know. Um, yeah, 
but yeah, it just it just kind of came on radar recently. Where I was just like, dang, like it's it's happening. Like more, we're losing we're losing more guys to yeah. Um, but it's but again, it's like also uh, Ian, this guy Ian from uh, uh, who I want to say Taiwan, reached out to me recently because he's going in for knee surgery and he's he was like a big jumper guy. So, but but it, like, okay, stop scaring people yeah. because. Well, Oliver's ankle, Andy's Andy's ankle. It's like it's like. But this, they recovered. They're, yeah, you know, yeah. well, that's the thing. Is like you shouldn't be scared because these things are recoverable from. Particularly, like the more fit you are, the better you're going to be at recovering. So, working on your fitness, working on your performance, uh, putting a lot into those things does eventually make you more susceptible to acute or chronic injury. But being more fit also makes you more adaptable to those injuries and. And increases your speed and recovery. It's a it's a it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. Yeah. Because if you don't work on your fitness and expose yourself to the risk, you're at other risks, right? Yeah. So like you like people will get injured walking downstairs because they're too fat or they're too their 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 body isn't sta- able to provide stability because their muscles are too weak or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? So like. So you might as well take the risk and be have an active lifestyle because you're going to be better off in the long run. From my totally. that's totally. the way that I think yeah. about it. Um, so stop scaring people into thinking that their knees are going to explode on them. <laughs> could happen because it could, it could <laughs> but it also might not. So um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, wait, what were we talking about? We were talking, we were talking about Bola. Okay. We were talking about, yeah. I clapped. It's yeah. kind of a loud clap. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Andy Bola, very excited that he's coming back because, uh, because he did so well in 2018, and then we lost him in 2019, and mm. we haven't seen him compete until now. So it was 2018? Yep. Crazy. That pandemic was a long, long, <laughs> uh, like... Uh, it's a long pandemic. It's a long, <laughs> these pandemics are really long. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> and detrimental. Um, yeah, so anyway, super excited about him. And then obviously the dark horse that nobody knew about, um, except for obviously the locals, Dan DeWinter. Dan DeWinter. He came in second in skill. Uh, Do yourself a favor and go follow. What is his, what is his IG? Dan um, DeWinter. Da- is, it, is it just, what, with two A's? Is two, it Dan, Dan with two A's? With two A's. Yeah. Da Winter. Yeah, he's one of those. He's one of those like bird body guys too, where like he's just so light. Like yeah. he 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 looked. He's he's kind of. Is he taller than me? I think he's about the same height as you. Maybe a little. But bit okay, so he has like a Paul White Cotton type body then, where yeah. he, like he looks taller because he's so he's so thin. Um, yeah, I mean he's probably like 130 pounds. No, he's just heavier than that. You think so? He's, know, he's, he's like 140. They were because the guys, maybe. Nico and uh, before we met, before we met Dan, Nico and Garrett were, were talking about him, and they were describing him by like his leg, how thin his oh, legs yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got huge jumps, and he's just yeah. like an all-around incredible athlete. Yeah, he was the favorite going into round two because he, he all of the nine challenges in the first round he finished all of them like in record time like there's like mm-hmm. nobody was even close to him in terms of the mm-hmm. time he finished them i i witnessed him flash like three or four challenges in my little area that i was in 
and I'm sure he flashed more like throughout the, the rest of the gym. So mm. uh, Dan DeWinter, look him up because he's uh, a force to be reckoned with. Um, so I'm really so yeah. He ended up doing not as well in round two, I think, because of the time pressure. Um, kind of got to him a little bit, mm -hmm. but he was very capable, so he could have he could have done better, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So men's skill was incredible. Uh, I think women's skill was super cool because Camilla coming off of another ankle injury that. Um, and she crushed it. So it's like, I wasn't sure if she was even going to compete. Yeah. And then when we got there, I asked her and she was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to, going to just do skill mm -hmm. because, you know, I got to make sure that I'm all good. But, uh, she seemed a little bit hesitant. She said, I'm just going to have fun. And she has some fun. <laughs> Tell you what, she crushed it. Yeah, she got all nine challenges in the first day, and then almost got all five mm -hmm. in the second day. Um, just that that last day challenge really was tricky for her, but mm. very excited to see her coming back for SPL two and to get back to training. That's the, yeah. that's the main thing, because um, I mean she's been very ra rarely posting on social media. We don't really wasn't really sure of how healthy she was going to be coming to this mm -hmm. event and. Yes. Yeah, I mean, before she had her injury, she she was easily my uh, favorite female in parkour. Like, yeah. easily who I thought was, like, the future, who's going to be the best, and I, and I still think so. I still, I, I know she's not able to train as much as she wants to right now. Um, still giving her, because I think it was an ankle break. It was a bad one. She had to get surgery. Yeah. Um, I think there was complications, too, but I might be yeah. wrong about that. So it's not going as smooth, but sometimes, you know, uh, like surgery recovery can be like a two-year thing. And I don't think she's that far removed from it quite yet. So so I think she'll find in the next year that she's able to start pushing more and get back into feeling more like herself. And um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, style? I want to talk about style. <laughs> I very much want to talk about style. First of all... Maybe I'll talk about women's first because um, she didn't win, and I think this was a robbery. I think she should have won, but Elise, Elise's, talking, okay. Elise's lines were freaking awesome. Yeah. She did mess up, mm -hmm. so that's... Yeah, I, I just actually recently, because we talked about this, and I, I have, I've watched the footage a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> and... I don't think it was wrong. I, I do think actually Noah did enough to, okay. um, to, to, to get the win. And I can see where you're thinking there, but it, it comes down to, um, cause both of them had slip ups, um, which was actually a theme with this style comp in general was a lot of people were going big and then having slip ups, like failing their, whatever their biggest trick in their line was like basically landing on the side of the butt. And so, um, what happens like at the end of Elisa's first run is I, she does, um, I think, um, fly away double full. I think it was double full. She was attempting. Yeah. I think that she started with that. Yeah. And she peels out onto her side and then, so no, this, it's her last move. It's the last move oh. of her, of her line. She peels out and okay. lands completely on her side. 
and that's her slip up in that round. And then Noah, at the start of her run, she does uh, double flyaway. She just started off both of her runs with double flyaway. Um, and fell back. Fell back, but it's, like, not as bad of a fall. Mm-hmm. And so, and then does a variety of other tricks that I think are, like, overlooked, um, basically, in that run. So, so I do think she did. I think she competed really well. Um, Noah. Yeah, yeah. I think Noah competed really well, and I think she she wasn't on point. It's it's weird because I keep going back to like that 2018 clip of her stomping a double flyaway here, and As and then her seeing big, her that was her big trick. Yeah, and she still continues to throw it in competitions all the time, but doesn't seem to have it as. As dialed. She keeps over-rotating it a bit. Yeah, um, and so that happened on both of her lines, but then, you know, she managed to just be clean with the other stuff, whereas um, Elise had another fall on her second line as well. Um, she does, like, a, a slant gainer, like, on floor, and then falls off to her side on it. So so I think without the two slip-ups, um, I definitely, like, appreciated Elise's line creation, Mm-hmm. way more and so that yeah, can but, can wave me a bit but the difficulty especially in line two the mm-hmm. difficulty of the of the moves that she did mm-hmm. the flyaway to step vault yeah super clean super well yeah. done she did lash a to side pre she kind of stumbled a little bit and then mm-hmm. she went into a court that was all like Super high difficulty, great obstacle interaction involved in that, and just, like, cool moves in general, and just, yeah. like, good line creation. I mean, Noah's, like, she just did double flyaway and then, like, a couple other flips. It wasn't, so like... Double flyaway, palm flip, and then uh, she just pop up. She has, like, another gainer, and then I think she finishes with, um, like, an A-twist or something. Yeah, it, it, it it's... Like, that's, if I'm going to choose between two, let's say, like, mm. perfectly executed two runs, mm. Elise wins every time. Yeah. In both first day and second day. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if Noah landed things a little bit clean, like, a little bit cleaner, I don't think that's enough to edge Elise's mm. runs. Um, because both of them had mistakes in both runs, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I... I you know, I this is the thing about style is like you can it's it's always going to be subjective. I don't care how many times you think that judging needs to be overhauled to mm. <laughs> make it uh, make it more uh, make it more objective because that doesn't work as we have seen with Fig. Um, it clearly doesn't work. So probably the worst example you could give but but i not not that i disagree with you yeah (laughs) in in other sports Mm. in other sports that are this um this much like where there's so much progression happening and there's always like new moves that are happening and you know skiing is the best example skiing and snowboarding they Mm -hmm. don't have objective criteria it's it's overall impression all the way through and mm-hmm. the judges have to just kind of give their perspective on the uh the way the the lines or the runs went mm-hmm. and it's always going to be subjective argue with me in the comments i don't yeah. care but uh i this is the way i feel about it and mm. noah versus elise i think you could you could have one opinion versus another one one person thinking you know one one mm-hmm. person thinking elise one and in this case, I fall on the side of Elise, but 
right now you're talking about Noah is probably probably deserved the win. So um, the fact that that's first second first and first place and second place makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but this is the great thing about style is we can have these debates and we can have these mm-hmm. arguments and it means we care about the outcome. Yeah. Well, and I think and we'll probably get into this on the men's side um, in just a minute here, but. I think with sports like this, too, it is really up to the performer to just make it undeniable. And what I would say is that I think if, if I had put in performances like Noah and Elise, where um, Elise had very ambitious ideas and didn't quite execute, Noah as well had ambitious ideas but executed like a little bit better, um, you should be kind of happy with a coin toss. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, on on either on either side of it, and I think, um, yeah, and I, and I think it goes when I look at the results of a lot of other competitions as well. Um, when it comes to style, when and when it's left up more to a um, like overall impression, uh, as the as the judging format is, um, you have to be making it undeniable if you're <laughs> if you really think you know if if that's really the case you're making because. Um, otherwise, it's going to be so close. And then going to rubrics, as you said, and going to like trying to break down the scores doesn't really solve the problem because you have to weight things a certain way. It also, I think, that just to, just to quickly wrap this up too, um, the time factor. Um, I don't think people realize that if we're trying to be entertaining and we're trying to have like a competition that runs neatly, the the more you have to go to like point scoring and like reviewing footage as you know sometimes people give that as the option too the longer it's going to take yeah and so you know we're pushing for shorter lines so it's less to look at um and then judges being able to make a quick decision yeah and and the i mean the judges we had i think they did they did a great job Mm -hmm. they they really took our criteria to heart and uh, after every line they discussed like what was what was done in the line mm-hmm. and uh they were able to kind of like come up with uh a score in a reasonable amount of time i thought mm-hmm. that they did a fantastic job and, yeah it was it was smooth yeah um and uh I, I may have disagreed with them with one result but mm-hmm. i think for the most part the right people were in the right spots on the podium mm-hmm. um so we'll move on to talking about men because uh it, <laughs> We're seeing some something happen in the sport where uh, I don't think there's anybody else that has gotten the attention that Ellis has gotten um, as be quickly becoming the greatest of all time <laughs> in uh, in at least pushing the development of extremely highly difficult style moves. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ellis Torhall came in first place, <laughs> but going into that competition, I think it's, un, it's he's the favorite. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, everybody's like, I, I have to be here for Ellis's run. You know, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I have to witness greatness in real time because mm-hmm. it's greatness. <clears throat> I think going into SPL2, Ed is the returning champion, but Ellis is going to be the favorite. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, every, everyone's already... Any, any competition Alice is going to, people are already saying, you know, he's, he's going to win. He's the win. Yeah, so 
Um, I love in sport. I love witnessing greatness, mm-hmm. and I think this is something that we're witnessing in real time. This um, in this generation, and he's only 18, right? So uh, he's and he's only getting better. He did two. I'm believed to be two worlds first on hard ground, um, and which also means for worlds first in competition. So the um, Lashay switch, yeah, into do, do we call it a Kong gainer at that point? I think it's a Kong gainer. Yeah, because so, it's not it's not yeah. a cast. Yeah. So Lashay switch Kong gainer. Uh, I hadn't seen it before, and then you were like, no, no, like Jared Nahulu. Um, I'm pretty sure Jared's done it. Does yeah. that into into pit or onto mats or something? Um, maybe onto spring floor mm-hmm. even. But yeah, as you said, like world's first onto hard floor to kick off a line. <laughs> yeah, to to go into a whole mm-hmm. like composed line basically. Yeah, um, incredible and flawlessly executed. Pretty much both runs. Yeah. Um, so I, I I don't have anything else to say other than I think we're witnessing greatness in real time and mm-hmm. this is super cool to be a part of. Um, second place Kevin Franzen. <laughs> I, the one thing I want to talk about with with the difference between Franzen and Ellis is Franzen is a has very artfully composed lines, mm-hmm. whereas Ellis has just crazy high difficulty lines where if I think you blended these two athletes together you'd have the perfect athlete I'd like to see Ellis get a coach mm. I don't know who it would be um, I know him and uh, we'll talk about probably in a moment here Marcus Nilsson um, I didn't know there was that friendship because um, they were together the whole mm-hmm. the whole competition they came together and they um, um there were some great moments just like watching the two of them I'm, interact. I so. think they actually made a vlog of the event, oh, cool. but it's in Swedish. So. Oh, well. Maybe they got subtitles. <laughs> um, uh, but but I, I, I think him and uh, I, I talked about this actually uh, last week or yeah, the other week a bit with Holden about like coaches. Um, maybe I didn't talk about an ST, STS. I had, I had a conversation with um, Renee Dambly about it. Um, at the event, but um, where we see basically you have Elise and, have, and you have Noah and you have Tangi had coaches. Those three athletes had coaches. No one else had coaches. And I, I think it's something that actually should start to happen more in parkour competitions because I think a lot of athletes need it. I, we make criticisms about um, some speed course choices and stuff like that. That'll like Tangi not only is um, just this like wired young like powerful athlete but he's also got a second brain out there yeah during practice is taking videos and then they get to go back and review it and i'm not saying that's like that's um wrong or cheating i think it's it's excellent and i think it's um definitely adding to his success and i would say the same for noah and i would say the same for for elise as well as you have like separate brain out there you have a separate um emotional support system Another so another pair of eyes to, to yeah. see the course and analyze it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a smart move to yeah. have somebody somebody else helping you along. Um, at least you know providing feedback, uh, or at, at the very least recording you, mm-hmm. so that you could uh, analyze your footage and and 
have a good idea of like how to perform it better or, um, or to see if you need to change anything. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Alice could potentially benefit from having a coach, but does he hasn't demonstrated a need for mm -hmm. one yet, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think his style of putting together lines is very much the same as uh, Max Antle, mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, I have some insane stuff I can do <laughs> in succession. How do I put this together, you yeah. know? Um, versus, like, Franzen was even talking to me about, like, oh, I want to do something unique for the, that can only be done in this gym or only yeah. in this space, you know? And that's a beautiful way mm -hmm. of looking at a line, and I think that's what I like. I, I think Franzen is the, the best right now at composition, line composition. The one thing that he's missing is, and he's capable of it, but he's missing high difficulty moves. Mm. Um, like, he's able to do randies and, like, crazy, like, front-twisting moves, um, which we saw a little bit of with his, like, like lache 180 to punch fr uh, front half. Mm -hmm. um, but even that's not, like, crazy, crazy high level. Um, yeah. Not enough high impression moments. Yeah, yeah. There's just a lot of really uniqueness and mm -hmm. a lot of, yeah. And it, it results in a really cool line. But yeah, well, I think well deserved second place. But um, I think there's a bit of contention for third place. I think mm -hmm. it actually should have been a full Swede podium. Yeah, with with Marcus. I think Marcus should have yeah. taken third over. Uh, Shirai. Mm -hmm. Shirai's runs were she did he, he did like really really like cool moves and really stylish moves, um, but a lot of it was a bit disconnected. And in the second line, he actually bailed uh, a double kong or like yeah, a single hand, a single hand yeah. double kong, um, which was a cool move to include. Mm -hmm. And he had a otherwise really good run, but mm -hmm. um, a bail. I felt like he wasn't docked enough for the bail, but. I'm happy, you know. I'm happy with again a coin flip between Marcus and Shirai. Yeah. And but I just I just happen to lean a little bit more on the side that Marcus should have been to the, yeah. uh, third place. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, particularly after uh, I have the uh, luxury of reviewing all the footage right now. And actually, a funny thing about it is I've pulled out because putting together a highlight video, and I've pulled out a bunch of clips of Shirai. And. Oh, this is, I, I don't, okay, I'm just going to say it because I can't think of how to say it. I'm, I'm struggling to find a clip where I'm like, this was a highlight of the competition from his two runs, whereas I have two clips of, of Marcus. Marcus. Yeah. Um, oh, wow, such big impression, of, <laughs> in, in, like big, like imp, uh, impactful I, I will say I, I did, sorry, I did find something from Shry. It just comes down to... Um, he has some really cool ideas that I that just didn't get executed, but what I'm thinking is that maybe in real time, the judges saw that he executed them well. Mm. Whereas again, I have the luxury of going back in the footage and be like, "Oh, wait a second, there's a little extra hop there, a little extra," you know. Um, anyway, um, I think we want to talk about Marcus. So, <laughs> such such high impact moves yeah. like. Again, Wait, another no. unknown, by the way, Marcus Nilsson. Go find him on, on IG. Uh, you'll be blown away. Yeah, he... Uh, wow, yeah. He, he had some really high-impact moves, both, like, literally <laughs> and, like, emotionally. 
um, in in each run, right? So, uh, in in the first course, he did like a like a cool ski grab flip, and then popped a backflip, and it was off of like a seven foot platform. And then the other, in the second one, he did a massive palm flip off of a ceiling beam, and all the way to the floor, ceiling ceiling beam <laughs> to the floor. Beautiful. It was really cool. Um, yeah, and he has, also it's interesting because he he trains with Ellis, but they have such different styles. In that Ellis has very like traditional style like moves, mm-hmm. whereas Marcus has like like he's more into the off axis kind of ski style. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that also, we've talked also about. like unique uh, with the beam and stuff. Also like more unique obstacle interaction and then he has some really solid like foundation tricks as well yeah so cool um i'm really excited to see more from him in the future and i he asked me for his score at the end of the competition Mm -hmm. and he looked at it he saw his ranking he was like oh so close to the full swede podium Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that was important to him Mm -hmm. um and i yeah i I thought the same thing as soon as we got the scores. I was like, oh, man, he's fourth place. Crazy. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, super cool. Super cool event overall. I It was long days because we mm-hmm. had so many athletes. Mm-hmm. But uh, my overall impression of it um, was that I can't believe so many athletes from so many different countries came out to, to participate in the event which is kind of a testament to the, pow- the S- SPL's brand power, which I didn't think was going to be that strong in Europe. The second thing, um, obviously really high impressionable moments. And then the third thing, Nico, Geert, and How5 went above and beyond with so many different things. And the, the space was incredible, and they, their organization was incredible. They were super helpful with everything, and they went above and beyond with our expectations for um, partners for the event. So uh, we couldn't have asked for a better experience in uh, our first ever European qualifier. So that's my takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have some other stuff we were going to talk about today. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> So, yeah, where, where do you want to go with this? So, well, I think one of the... We do have some more SPL stuff. Um, but okay. I don't know if we want to... If we want to touch on some of the other stuff first, because... Well, yeah, we'll, we'll just maybe plug that at the end. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so uh, you wanted to bring up uh, another event that's happening in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Matt McCreary's event, um, which is... Oh, boy. Gizmo's Battles, or Gizmo's... What is it called? I think it's called... What is the official name? Gizmo Battles, yeah. which is... Sorry, Matt. We, we're totally unprepared to or talk it, about this. I, is it a battle? It's a style competition. Yeah. It's a unique style competition that yeah. is focused more on... I'm going to try to get this right. ...creativity and kind of line development, which is really cool, um, uh, like spot interaction. And I think that fits with Matt McCreary's whole style. Yeah. Which is this, you know... Gizmo style battles. I had it correct. Yeah, cool. 1v1 battle tournament representing creativity, spot interaction, and flavor. Flavor, ice cream yeah. cone. So, so what I love about it is the whole, like, spot interaction thing, um, which is something we've been trying to push for and use in our style formats for SPO. 
um, since for a very long time, actually, we've mm -hmm. been really pushing, we, we've called the obstacle interaction uh, or structure interaction. Um, but yeah, it's like, that's the thing that makes parkour unique in that, you know, you could do a backflip on flat ground, um, but other sports can do backflips on flat ground, including gymnastics mm. and cheerleading and tricking and, um, but the, the unique thing that makes, that the unique thing about parkour is that we interact with spots. So instead of a backflip on flat ground, you could do a backflip on a beam, on like a, a structure, like a wall, or uh, you could do a backflip off of a bar, or you could do a backflip off of, um, I don't know. <laughs> Like, you can do a slanted backflip by touching a wall. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, the, that's the cool thing about parkour is, like, the interaction with the spot. So, uh, Gizmo Battles. What yeah. do you think? What do you think well, about this? Well, so I got the, I brought up the, uh, the judging criteria here. And so we have spot interaction, overall creativity, composition, and overall flavor and impression. So not once here does it mention difficulty. Right. Which I think was the difference he was trying to make is uh, somewhat of a, oh, nice. I'm sure y'all can hear that. Excuse me. That is definitely a concrete drill in the building right now. That is what that is. That is a familiar sound to me. That's the crazy thing about concrete drills is that, like, it could be <laughs> the furthest point away in the building and you could still hear it all throughout the building. All right. Well, it is okay. past. I'm sure we heard it more than also these mics picked up. But anyways, um, okay, so uh, no no mention of difficulty in here, and I think that was kind of something he was shooting for, um, was just a, a competition where it's more about the creation, um, doing, like, rare tricks, um, obstacle interaction, and less about, like, what, you know... You, like, you can't... Like, it can't just be about throwing a... Um, uh, swing cast like dub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's what you said about Franzen, right? Is Franzen mm -hmm. was like, I want to do something unique that can only be done yeah. here. And that's, I think, exactly what um, Gizmo Style Battles is going to be all about, is um, the uniqueness to the spot um, and the, the creativity that the athlete comes up with there. Mm -hmm. That sounds really cool. It sounds like a really great event. Um, so big ups to, to Matt for, for ideating this, uh, this event. Trying to stop. I'm sorry. I'm trying to, I'm trying to pull up the event page without playing the music. <laughs> uh, it's on uh, funky underscore techniques is the uh, Instagram page to check out uh, everything for the event. Uh, so that's where you find more information on it. And yeah, I think, I think it's, uh, we're, we're going to probably get into this in the weeks to come, but there's, there's a lot of different, uh, parkour events starting, starting to, um, starting to occur, uh, right now. So it's, it's no longer like the, the ABCs of a jam, you right. know, where you're just going to a jam to meet up with people. Um, and I think one of the things that we started to see over the years with jams was like, okay, there's workshops. It's like, okay, so we got jams plus workshop, we got jam plus competition. But now we're starting to see, to take a word from this, different flavors of of things happening. Of, of get-togethers, right? Yeah, of gatherings. yeah. I think, uh, I think it's really cool. I mean, obviously, we branched out from jams a while ago with competition, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes there's competitions in jams. But... 
I think we're like you're like you're saying is we're getting more different types of events. So in this case, this isn't just like a traditional competition. This is a alternative competition um, and potentially favoring athletes that may not go to a traditional competition or do well in a traditional competition. But there's also, um, you know, other types of events like uh, uh, we don't have to name them all, but um, but Kippa's Jam, which is uh, a bit different discourse which is a like more of like almost like an art gathering and i think there's a lot of focus and i mentioned this earlier to you off camera but i think there's a lot of focus for the younger generation to um really adopt the arts as part of the identity of parkour so mm -hmm. a lot of emphasis on photography and music and the integration of all these things with parkour um which is uh, it's cool because it results in really different events happening and different experiences that you could have instead of just like hey everybody meet at noon at the university to do parkour um, for three hours and then go have a barbecue it's you know we're, you know we're gonna have this whole uh, like art show or we're gonna have like live music or we're gonna have like uh, you know you're gonna have to like find challenges at spots like a um uh what's it called um scavenger hunt that's the scavington <laughs> hunt uh, <laughs> uh yeah well, you know or we're gonna do a creativity battle or mm -hmm. we, you know and and this is i think we're seeing another almost renaissance in parkour with mm. uh a different a different take and like a different experience for people who come into the sport. Yeah. I mean, even PKBC has changed, right? Yeah, it used much. to be meet at the university <laughs> at noon and, and then we'll have a barbecue yeah. after. But now it's like, oh, like let's do this bike tour mm -hmm. or let's, you know, there's different experiences that have cropped up because it's, you know, in 2007, it was a different time than it is in 2023. Yeah. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of growth that's happened over the years. Yeah. And uh, I think, like we've already said here, but just to restate it, I, I think it's, it's great, too, that there's competitive events that, that shine a light on um, performers in parkour um, who don't really fit into the box of classic competition. Um, and it's something that actually I would like to see um, grow bigger than jams also. You know, mm -hmm. as much as like we're on the side of what we're promoting through sport parkour, which is uh, like the sp the sportification of parkour, and a lot of it is always going to be about scale as well. Like we want to see the big jumps, we want to see the big moves because um, it looks great on camera. It's really easy to engage outside audiences in, into as well. But I, I like other competition formats. I don't. You know, in the past, I haven't enjoyed when people just kind of borrow what we're doing um, and have it as their own. I, I like when people are doing things that are different um, because that's also very anti-gymnastics. It's very anti-national um, sports organization. It's very anti-bureaucracy. It's screw all that. We're going to go and do our own different things. And, and you know, I like, I like the idea of a future where you have... Um, I don't know, streaming services or YouTube channels or whatever, where there's a lot of different 
um, highly viewed events happening. And I, I, this, this is something that um, I brought from the past with um, like cooking. Um, so going way on the other side, like nothing to do with sports or like parkour, but I, but I think about cooking and like the amount of different reality TV shows and competitions around cooking that you can do. You can be a baker, you can be on Top Chef, you can be on um, Iron Chef, you can be on Chopped. There's all these different like I variations watch. of of cooking shows, and and this is kind of what I want for parkour is just like different takes on ways to compete or just showcase performers in parkour yeah i watched a crazy one that was like you're like on th there's like a group of chefs on three different levels and there's like the like high level kitchen the medium level level kitchen and then like the basement yeah and it's like there's like a descending platform where like all this these awesome. ingredients are on it <laughs> And there's like really great ingredients and yeah. really trash ingredients. Yeah, yeah. And so as it descends, the top like level kitchen gets to grab all the good ingredients mm -hmm. and then it goes lower and lower and lower until it gets to the basement and you have whatever's left over. And so like then each team is like competing to like try to climb to the top and they have like different chef coaches. Anyway, yeah. so it was like a crazy chaotic show, but it was like another example of like, yeah. I can't believe they've come up with a new concept for competing. Different cooks. flavor, man. That's the thing. More, more flavors in parkour, more flavors of competition. Yeah, love it. <laughs> I don't think it has to be, because I think too, the other thing too is people will complain too. They'll be like, oh, SPL should be more like this. You know what? SPL is not going to be more like what you want it to be. Um, it's going to be more of <laughs> more of what we want it to be. <laughs> um, it's, well, it's, that's it's, not to say that we don't. Yeah. We aren't open to feedback. We no. uh, we definitely are. But um, and the thing is, we're always changing it. Yeah. We're, we've we've made um, innovations throughout uh, a decade of designing competition, and even between last year and this year, we've changed things. Yeah. So and so, so but, but having said that. It is, there's not going to be a major difference. There's not going to be a change to, you know, like, oh, like this kind of athlete can't get through. It's like, yeah, there might be some little tweaks to improve on that, but nothing, nothing, no big overhaul, right? And so, like, if you're someone that wants a big overhaul, um, please do your own, do your own event, do your own competition, start small. We've been doing it for 10 years, um, before more than 10 years, because before NAPC, the whole like format got developed off of like small competitions we were doing locally until we made the move to try to do something international. So, so um, yeah, more events like Gizmo style battles where you know you're starting off and um, hopefully they just stay consistent. Hopefully um, you know Matt stays consistent. Whatever turnout he gets this year, does it again the next year, does it again the next year. Eventually, if you stay consistent, it will grow and people will come out and it'll be a bigger thing. And then we'll be talking about not just not just like the big ones like Art of Motion and SPL and Kings of the Concrete. We'll be talking about this year's Giz who's going to win this year's Gizmo Style Battles, who's going to win, you know, whatever yeah. else the next one is. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. There's also other ways to do like skill competitions too, you know. Yeah. Um, this is, there's, there's, so much, there's so much other ways you can put um, parkour on a performance stage. Well, like other, other events like Own the Spot, you know, yeah. or, you know, Kippa's Street Jam, or mm -hmm. like there, like some, or uh, Big Wall Open, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Other examples of you know competitions that are involved in, in you know, even video competitions like 
um, different, what are they called? What are video competitions called? Film festivals. Film festivals, <laughs> yeah. Film festivals happening. Um, more of those, because that's a big part of what our sport, ever since the beginning of parkour, it's mm -hmm. been about filming yourself and, and putting it out to the masses, the media around it. So, um, yeah. I think we are entering into a renaissance of parkour where it's focused on... Um, like, like, how can we have an event that is different from the traditional? Mm. And it's happening. I like that. It's great. Yeah. Speaking of events. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we do have some stuff we got to close on. Um, and then we got to go work out. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, first thing, we just announced Tempest uh, West Coast Qualifier. No, don't. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're, we're hosting an SPL uh, qualifier at Tempest North County, which is actually south of LA. <laughs> it's in uh, North County, San Diego. Um, so this is going to be uh, this is going to be a qualifier that um, will qualify you to SPL two in the same way how five. European qualifier, qualified athletes into SPL2. Plugged it. Yeah, if you are interested <laughs> in competing, uh, if you're, I mean, anywhere in the U.S. or, well, anywhere in North America, you're welcome to, to show up. Um, please go and pre-register online at sportparkourleague.com. You can find more information about the event there and uh, when it is. It's in May. Mm -hmm. um, kind of end of May, so uh, May twentieth. May twentieth. Mm -hmm. There we go. Yeah, as you said, pre-registered. Just remember, we were talking about. Um, let's get let's give them an opportunity to prove you wrong. Um, Americans pre-register for something. Don't show up day of. You can still show up day of. Please, please don't. You know, be discouraged from coming. But um, the Europeans <laughs> really turned out early by pre-registering uh we were absolutely blown away by so, how much they had it together so we, we, we've run a number of events in north america where we have no idea how many people are actually going to show up and then mm. when people show up it's like on the day of and then everybody's like buying their registration like at the door and it makes it a massive headache for us to then come up with the schedule and get everything done on time so we can have a smooth event because all of a sudden, you know, uh, even like 10, 15, 20 people more show up than we were expecting uh, in each category. So, <laughs> so the Europeans did this well ahead of time. They pre-registered. We knew exactly who was showing up. A few people came in and registered on the day of, but that was pretty small number relative to the actual numbers who showed up. Uh, or pre-registered online. So prove us wrong. If, uh, if uh, the, the Europeans got the Americans beat on pre-registration, uh, uh, then uh, we got we to gotta do something, North Americans. We got to do better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last, uh, last thing we want to touch on here is uh, SPL officially partnering this year with uh, USPK which is something that we were actually in the works on for a couple months now, just coming to an agreement and exactly shaping up what this is going to look like. Um, 
So part of it is, is that we are going to be going and running and bringing um, SPL's format to the national, uh, which is the culmination of, I believe, over 30 feeder events, um, I guess we can call them, in the U.S. that, are, that have already started to happen. And so if you win one of these events, you then qualify for the national. We are going to be treating the format, the national, a little bit different. So it won't be exactly the same format as um, the qualifiers. We're going to be tweaking our, our rounds a bit to make it feel a bit different. And um, yeah, so from that event, it will also be a qualifier to, to SPL2. The thing about this one, though, is you have to qualify to get into the national. So if mm -hmm. you're an American athlete, and you are in one of these regions, so there's uh, several regions around the U.S. where there's smaller, um, uh, lo more local events that feed into regional events, which then will feed into the national. So you actually have to qualify to get into the national. You can't just register and show up to that one um, without qualifying ahead of time. But it's exciting because this is... Uh, this is a big partnership and um, step forward in uh, our sport in, in general, but in the U.S. in particular, because we're partnering with uh, USPK Association, which is uh, trying to be the national governing body for, US, um, for parkour in the USA. Yeah, and one of the things I guess we'll, we can quickly just kind of go over the points here, too, of, of, of what this means, because... Um, one of the things uh, you mentioned there, just just as they're they're trying to be the the official national sports organization, um, there are other existing entities that are kind of fighting for that bid, and one of them is gymnastics, right? Um, and so part of this partnership is uh, us as as SPL, we cannot do anything <laughs> against Fig. We are um, we almost like see ourselves more as like entertainers, as like trying to enter into the entertainment business, as it were, for for parkour, and eventually hopefully getting sponsors and, and broadcast deals to, to bring us onto um, a bigger platform. Um, but USPK is doing all the work from like, we'll say like the ground up in terms of like the grassroots side of things to actually be the like official not-for-profit. And so, so what this partnership means is we're kind of taking hopefully what is, um, you know, some of, our, some of our brand power and, you know, merging with them to be like just a better, a better shield <laughs> for gymnastics. Well, yeah, I mean, we've done all the groundwork in the last uh, decade of building competition formats and seeing what works and what doesn't. And so this is kind of our opportunity to help integrate with um, an NGO to uh, hopefully uh, bring a better parkour competition format to a higher level. Yeah, I think that... Sums it up pretty nice, and I think there, there's, there's going to be more to say. We we're still in the early stages of it as well. Um, like I said, we just we just officially signed the partnership. We're about to get the event launched, but I think as um, as the the rest of the season progresses, we'll have more to say about um, what's going on with this and what this partnership means. Amazing. Well, we got to go. We got some gains. We got to go get some gains. Uh, they're just in the other room over there, so we'll uh, see if we can pick some up. And <laughs> um, that's all the time we have for this week's episode. So thanks so much for tuning in. If you are 
watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you are listening on one of our uh, podcast platforms, please give us a five-star review, um, and uh, we'll be very grateful for that. Share this with a friend, and we'll catch you in the next episode.